1: Outkick 360 and the Tennessee Power Hour here on the Outkick Network. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Glad you're with us wherever you're viewing today. If you're watching on YouTube, Facebook Live, Twitter, wherever it might be, give us a follow, give us a retweet, subscribe to the channel, write a review. We thank you for that in advance. If you're listening on Fox Sports Knoxville, hope you'll interact by following us on Twitter at Outkick360. FanDuel.com slash OK360 is the place to place your bets for the tip-offs tonight in the Elite Eight and also tomorrow night's matchups as Michigan and UCLA battle and Gonzaga and USC. Tonight, our picks, Oregon State plus the 7.5, Baylor minus the 8 against Arkansas.
0: For our Knoxville listeners also on Fox Sports Knoxville Fan Run Radio, stay tuned. We may have uh, an announcement in the coming weeks about a
1: special event in Knoxville. So stay tuned for that. Vanderbilt with an announcement earlier today, $300 million facilities project. Um, if, If you're familiar with what Vanderbilt has done or what they haven't done, maybe more importantly over the years, this is big news for the university and the athletic program. But we're going to go a few layers into their announcement for facilities, what it means for an off-campus project, which I don't think that's happening, what it means for renovations to Vanderbilt Stadium and the rest of the athletic program and the key money invested with all of this. Guys, $300 million on paper, that's a step in the right direction. What stood out to you this morning with the announcement, the major announcement, that Vanderbilt is actually going to put money behind the athletic program moving forward. First thing that jumped out
0: to me was the fact that they've got, gotten away from this archaic system of athletics can't contact donors to get money specifically funneled in for athletics. And that started with a $10 million donation from John Ingram that kickstarted the $100 million they raised. So $100 million from donors, $100 million given by the university, which Chancellor Daniel Deermeyer essentially said it's like taking money from one account, moving it somewhere else, and immediately spending it. And that's what they're doing, that $100 million. And then they have $100 million yet to be raised with this new fund they announced at Vandy. This is great news for Vanderbilt fans. This is a legitimate commitment to doing something. Now, when you look at the financials of this, $300 million, what does that get you? They're talking about a basketball facility Not an arena, but a basketball practice facility, locker rooms, training center, everything else. Yeah, operations center, I think they're calling it. Football operations center, same deal. Indoor, all of that. And then also improvement to premium seating at the existing Vanderbilt Stadium. Now, I was looking up Northwestern because that's one that has a similar academic profile to Vanderbilt. $270 million they spent on the football facility alone. Now, granted, this is the Taj Mahal of football-only facilities, but when you look at that, Vandy's giving $300 million in trying to do three separate things. So what do these look like in the end? We don't know. There's no plans yet. They said, what, after this summer, or maybe this summer, they're going to release some plans moving forward, Paul, but regardless, it's great news for Vanderbilt fans and for anyone in the SEC that's been rooting for mm-hmm. Vandy to finally invest in a- in athletics.
2: Yeah, I'm excited that they they found an avenue to get this money. That, that's to me, is the biggest development here. I think maybe all three of us agree on that. They've tapped into uh, donations that they previously con- overcomplicated, where you can't go to a certain kind of donor for athletic money, where they kind of cordoned off all of this stuff. And you couldn't even go ask, um, which is, has been a ridiculous kind of wall. So they've scaled this wall or they've knocked down this, te- tear down this wall. They've torn down the wall, at, at least in this one instance. So that's a good start to everything. I'm surprised that they make this announcement. Um, and Joe Rexroad had a story in The Athletic kind of uh, as a precursor to this coming out in advance of the announcement that they don't have even a, a hint of the footprint, which suggests that they, they, I'm sure they have a couple ideas of where, but that's the first question that comes out of this, is where, because the Vanderbilt footprint doesn't lend itself to a lot of space, unless you're, unless you're putting a parking deck under this thing. We know they've got some good parking lot space. <laughs> But that's also necessary parking lot space. So unless you're building a facility uh, vertically on top of some significant parking, there are very limited places to put these things. And that's the biggest curiosity now that I think if you read this stuff or look at what they've had to say, the immediate question is, where are you going to fit this stuff? Because these are major square footage buildings, if you're talking about even if, even if you've got a, uh, a, a, just a football field uh, square footage thing and you're building up on top of that uh, locker rooms or whatever, um, where are you putting a football field uh, footprint?
1: Well, so it's, uh, let, let, let's run through the announcement for the different facilities that have been mentioned. Uh, football operations center, uh, the facility will house team-specific needs such as meeting rooms, offices, training room what you would expect for a football facility, right? Uh, Expanding uh, the McGoogan Center, which it will include a new sports performance center. An indoor football practice facility, full length practice field adjacent to the outdoor practice fields. Basketball operations center with practice courts, a weight room, locker room, offices, and more. Uh, And this will be for men and women's basketball. Upgraded stadium fan experience, which will include improvements for premium seating options, hospitality space, upgraded food and beverage options, and other fan amenities. Uh,
2: so Chancellor, let's go for a second. Yeah, Ad- adjacent to the football practice outdoor football practice fields, there's a street, a street, and the track, and the McGugan Center. So there's no room anywhere adjacent there to build a, a, a indoor football practice facility, adja- a, literally adjacent. Am I wrong?
1: I don't know if they're building a new facility as much as they are upgrading the current building that's there.
2: Well, it well, sounds like it's separate of that building. So, which it sounds like that building's going to be turned over to non well, it's intercollegiate athletic. Th- this
1: is this is the part we don't know because we haven't seen any renderings that that is due this summer. Um, but for instance, Chancellor Diermeier, uh mentioned in a quote, I believe with Rex Road, uh, that said that they're not planning on a new football stadium.
0: Yeah, this is just, um, he even said this season you're going to see some of the upgrades in that's the taking place, which makes me think it's all going to happen in end zones of, of what's already open right at the stadium. The one money. end zone that's open.
2: I don't love spending too much of this money on that stadium because I still have hopes of imploding that stadium. And if you're building stuff in end zones, I think, again, you're heading towards this idea of a nice experience where you can stand or sit in a bar like, uh, uh, what's the word, like cafe, a beer garden kind of thing, which is a nice hangout thing. But it's not premium for watching football because where's the best place for watching football? The 50-yard line. And the end zone is not 50-yard line. So they have nice space in the end zones to play with and make it something, but that makes it less about football and more about a social gathering, which maybe is the right thing to do at Vanderbilt until Might the be. program's turn
0: around. So the first thing that comes to mind when I see this announcement and the $300 million and everything else is, this is a football decision. They're investing in football. Why do I think that? Because this coincides with them hiring Clark Lee, who has come in. He's injected some energy, some enthusiasm. He's an alum. He's gotten other alums involved. And now they're supporting Clark Lee, who is just starting, right, at Vanderbilt. So there's a level of excitement because he hasn't coached a game yet. So I think of this from a football perspective. I also immediately think Jerry Stackhouse – better improve that basketball program big time in year three, because if not, with all of these construction announcements happening and putting in a new facility and everything else, it's not gonna be Jerry Stackhouse finishing 10th or 11th again in the SEC this year. If that's only the level of improvement, they're not bringing you back for a fourth year Mm -hmm. to be the coach that gets to walk your team and your new recruits into this brand new, beautiful facility. The other side, women's basketball, They quit a season because they sucked, quite frankly. They were terrible in the SEC. They lost by 70 or 80 points or whatever it was, 60-something points to South Carolina, and a couple days later, they quit. Stephanie White is not going to be the coach that's going to lead her team into this new facility also. There's a reset with football. I'm sure Derek Mason's sitting there thinking, gee, thanks. This is what I wanted all along to help the program, never got it. Regardless, Clark Lee, he gets it he gets it from day one that this is going to happen. He gets to sell that to recruits. The next step, Jerry Stackhouse better improve this year to show that he's worthy of these new facilities. If not, you're going to have new excitement with a new men's basketball coach. I think it's inevitable you're going to have a new women's basketball coach at some point. And then you really get excitement drummed up with new facilities, right? Because the first thing that pops to mind with this is football is new now. In football, you're going to get a reset with a new coach, and now you're going to get some new facilities.
2: I think uh, Wolfpack Brad on on our Twitter uh, Periscope feed says they should look at what NC State did with the end zones. It might help. And Murphy Center was a huge upgrade. Uh, He's talking Murphy Center there. What did they do at Middle? They
1: They built a practice facility that connects to the stadium. Uh, that is right next to the stadium and in between the, the football stadium and Murphy Center. So
2: they have more more room.
1: But then they also, within the bowels of the Murphy Center, upgraded their basketball programs uh, on opposite ends. So they have a women's. They have a, a true separation of the two programs where a lot of money was invested in a Rick Ensel's program on one side, and on the other side you have what Kermit Davis built. Um, so there, there is... Uh, for lack of a better way to describe it, the separation of powers yeah. on the campus—they're uh, all pointed towards the athletic department, which is still there in the Murphy Center—but you're not all sharing the same facility as much as you are um, at, for instance, Vanderbilt.
2: I don't want them putting too much money in the stadium, because at a certain point, you put enough money into the stadium, and then and then they're going to have an excuse not oh, to. Oh, they're not do getting rid of that stadium. Big with the I stadium. Mean, this
0: announcement—forget about it. There's no new stadium. If they're putting part of that $300 million yeah. in improving that stadium, they are—they have no plans to not be in that stadium. Here's the other thing. We're, we're in a studio right now, Blackbird Studios. We step out of this building, we can almost see the tops of the new soccer stadium being built over by the fairgrounds, mm-hmm. just a, a few blocks from where we are right now. Um, that's not going to be used for Vanderbilt football either. Remember, that was the thought, because John Ingram owns the soccer team. Maybe Vanderbilt football will share that facility. That's not happening either. So... Get used to the idea of Vanderbilt Stadium is going to be around for a while.
2: Use it temporarily. Are they going to do the Memorial Gym also? That would be
0: the next step, right?
2: That's the thing with these announcements. Typically,
0: if a university makes an announcement, and again, this is where Vanderbilt's different from the rest of the SEC, you have a big press conference to announce a baseball stadium upgrade or a football facility upgrade. You don't make a $300 million announcement you do that at Vandy because all of these places need to be blown mm. up and rebuilt yeah. or built on top of each other. So they're making one big announcement where most places you're talking about piecemealing these announcements together. So I think the next step, while I love Memorial Gym and want it to stay, there's some things that need to be done at Memorial Gym. I think aesthetically, I think around the concourses. Air conditioning. They need some things done at Memorial. Maybe that's the next step, but really the next step right now is raising $100 million more dollars to complete this project.
1: Still, uh, it's hard today to nitpick what they're doing, uh, because no, we, have been, we have It's preached, a big step. We have preached for years that they need to back the athletic program more than what they were doing, which was practically nothing. Um, they're doing that here. This is a step in the right direction, and here's hoping that five years from now, we're discussing another $300 million upgrade to that campus from the athletic uh, spectrum, because that's going to be needed. This is just the start because there are some of the facilities behind the scenes, like you mentioned, Chad, with just the athletic facilities that are in drastic need of repair and upgrade or just something brand new, a refresh, uh, that we're not even talking about the stadium. like That's down the road. Um what they're doing now is just repainting some things at the stadium. That's what it That's what it seems like. This
2: is
0: good news for Vandy. It is. You know, not, not to nitpick about it. That's $300 million that's going into athletics. That's great news uh, for Vanderbilt fans. Here's the other bit of good news. If Clark Lee can win at Vanderbilt, there's going to be more to come. James Franklin got a new facility built in 2013 based off of his sweat and their wins at the time. When he came in and started winning – he worked hard and got that built. They're putting $300 million in before Clark Lee coaches a game. So if he can have some success with this, that's going to lead to more spending from their donors. That's going to lead to better facilities. It's going to help everything in the end, by the way, Ricky and West end on Twitter, and you can hit us up on Twitter at outkick 360 says the indoor practice facility will be built on top of one of the current practice fields at Vanderbilt. Oh, okay. So that solves some of the space problems.
2: Yeah, that makes
1: sense. Here's the thing about Vanderbilt. Still not much space there on one practice field.
2: <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Here's the, the thing about Vanderbilt is, and we talk about this over and over, and the thing that's going to hurt them in the long run, that which they have to fix now. You go to a Vanderbilt game, and the core Vanderbilt fan is a gray-haired guy, right? It's an old fan base. Mm-hmm. And you don't see kids coming in, right? you have to change a lot of things to get a younger fan base. Well, what does the old gray-haired guy probably have? Money. Get the money out of the old gray-haired guy in order to make the investments in the program that will attract his grandson before it's too late, right? Because if you don't get his grandson, what's the future of the program? I mean, I, I, it's hard to see an SEC program well, die and wither on the vine.
1: To me, though. But Vanderbilt,
2: you know, I'm not saying it die. It's always going to be self-sustaining to a degree because of the SEC money that comes in. But unlike every other SEC school, as a private school with the gray beard uh, fan base, it's facing a challenge that other schools don't face. So you got to find a way now with the new administration mm-hmm. To get that old guy's money to help finance, plus the endowment. I mean, t- schools don't dip into their endowment. That's why they're they're everlasting, right? But um, we can't help but say, for a university with that much money, how how do you need? Where is their endowment, Chad, compared
1: to Texas A and M and the SEC? A and M's number one.
0: Yeah, A and M one, uh, Vandy two, and that's more good news though. They're dipping into that hundred million dollars that's, that's what's coming out of the university. Yeah, so that's good news. They're 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 coming off the money, so to speak. They're coming off their wallet finally Something. for athletics, which is not happening. Well, the
1: and th- this is a again a step in the right direction because Chancellor Deermeyer was recently took over and said he wanted to have more of an emphasis on athletics. That's huge because he's putting the, the, the money behind those comments uh, and Candace story Lee uh, for, for the job that she's done since she took over, this is a huge feather in the cap for her uh, and, and the leadership and the direction of the program. And it's always, you know, it's the, the chicken or the egg discussion. Do you put the money in the facilities or do you put the money into the stadium first for the fan experience? And, I don't disagree with what they're doing. They're building and starting with the core, much like a football team would start with the offensive and defensive line in the trenches. They have to upgrade that area first and build from and build inside out. Um, this is a, much about recruiting the younger players, Paul, yeah. as it is recruiting the young fans. Because if you can get some of the momentum behind these athletic programs, it is about football, but it's more than just football. It's about the, the program of becoming a Vanderbilt fan again. Um you can do that by attracting some of the better recruits.
2: Well, you got to win some games to get people there, no matter what the progress of the facilities right. or the stadium is in any way, shape, or form. I grew up as a kid <clears throat> near Piscataway, New Jersey, where there was always this debate about expanding Rutgers Stadium, and I was always on the side of, you know, you got to start winning some games before you can envision filling this expanded stadium. It's a ridiculous conversation. Get decent first, then talk about building the stadium. But I think we're, we're agreeing it's, it's not about a bigger stadium. It's about a, a, a updated and, stadium. And Gut well, the thing other, and put actual chair backs. One other important
0: part of this announcement, they made a point to emphasize this is about football and basketball. Mm-hmm. Football and basketball. No bowling. Football talk. and basketball makes money for your university. And it does come down to economics at times. You can tout your bowling national titles. <laughs> you baseball. Can tout, baseball's great. Yeah. Baseball's not making any money. You can tout all these other sports, golf, tennis. Vandy's great in these – bowling, it's not even the SEC, but they're great in the SEC in some of these other sports that don't make any money. But ultimately it comes down to football and men's basketball. And that's where Vandy's got to improve. That's where they got to get better. That's where they have to invest. And now they're doing that, and it's great news.
2: Here's one more thing on the Candace story, Lee, that you mentioned. And to me, in her earliest days, uh, she's just talking about the plan, the plan, the plan. We heard about that from Malcolm Turner, too, before that. The plan. And David Williams before that. The plan, the plan. We're going to have to show you the plan. The plan's in the works, right? We're making fun of it all the time. Well, can't do anything, can't say anything. We've got to see this master plan. What was it? They had some terminology for the plan that was fancy Words for the plane,
0: um, <laughs> TPS report.
2: Yeah, whatever it was, right? Well, here's an actual substantive plan, right? Now I wish I, I, I wish it came with renderings, but beggars can't be choosers. There's an actual plan with numbers connected to it, and even a little bit of a timetable.
1: Uh, nonetheless, congratulations to the Vanderbilt fan uh, that have been the, the, the true diehards because this. Uh, while you hope that wins and you have more wins and losses moving forward what you want is some energy and the university can control some of that energy by backing the program this is this is a jolt of energy to the athletic program and to the Vanderbilt fan base before they even play a game because you're finally seeing the millions that they have access to devoted back to the program that you love so again congrats to the Vanderbilt fan on today's announcement Uh, coming up We get into another basketball program, Penny Hardaway and the Memphis Tigers and how they finished their season recently. And we talk Tennessee Volunteers and spring practice on Outkick 360 and the Tennessee Power Hour. Outkick 360 and the Tennessee Power Hour rolls on alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Shout out to the great crew, Jacob Swanson. We call him Jakob. Uh, he is the bath salt bandit. Lance Lee is Pants Lee. And David Reed is the chairman of the board. Emma Oatstein, making the show happen for us remotely as well. If you're watching on YouTube, give us a subscription. We would certainly appreciate the thumbs up and the like there. Retweet on Twitter, at Outkick360. And shout out to everyone in Knoxville listening this evening. Fox Sports Knoxville and Fan Run Radio. Also available wherever you get podcasts.
0: So uh, we joke about all the outlets you can find us, but you really can't find us just about everywhere. We're on Apple, iTunes. We're on uh, Spotify. Uh, we audible, joke that we're on Stitcher. Hinge also. Uh, go Farmer's Paul. You, you know these better. Tune Farmers in, tune love. in. <laughs> we'll Google Play,
2: Stitcher, Audible.
0: Uh, J-Date. Uh, <laughs> j J-date A lot of different places you can find our, us. Uh,
2: Jewish audience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Really, you can find us anywhere, is what we're trying to say. So subscribe, like, uh, give us a listen. Uh, We're there for you uh, on your drive home every day. And, of course, if you're watching right now on YouTube, uh, interact on the YouTube chat. If For nothing else, just to give Paul Kuharski some entertainment throughout the day, to look at this chat. And tell us about the raging dumpster fire that it's become.
2: Drew Four Doors in the Periscope slash Twitter Live says, thanks for covering the VU news, guys. We don't get much airtime. And I said, of course, Drew. It's news of the day. We're always going to talk news news. of the day. And in the Tennessee Power Hour, if there's news in the state of Tennessee, we're certainly going to talk about that. So Um, here we are.
1: Shout out. Speaking of news over the weekend, congratulations, David Poyle, headed to the Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame Predator's Predators general manager, uh, they announced that late last week and then aired that over the weekend during one of the uh, television broadcasts. And props to his team right now. Yeah. Uh, they've won five straight games. UC Soros named the, named the third star of the week across the entire NHL for his play. Uh, unfortunately for him, he's recently on the uh, injured reserve day-to-day, uh, as is Forsberg, Duchesne, yeah. and Ellis. But they are playing at a high clip right now, so much so that Paul Koharski and Chad Withrow are betting the money line money. on the Preds to win money the- when we started this show two weeks ago Man.
2: that was not the case well we might have been against them. <laughs> no, who <We're> are they-
1: <laughs> someone asked me
0: what are you betting in hockey tonight I'm like who are the Preds playing <laughs> that's who I'm betting I'm betting on them to have success far, not the case
2: right now far better timing for the Poyle announcement uh, good job Brad Willis than two weeks ago yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: well currently tied for the final playoff spot right now the Preds and uh David Poyle somewhere is uh, saying after that win last night, well, that'll shut these people up. <laughs> 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 At least for the time being, they're shutting people up.
2: I think. Uh, I I just hope early in the playoffs they let uh, teams play teams from outside their oh. their uh, COVID division. Uh, what a what a joy that'll be.
1: Well, the the next step is to see what they do with the trade deadline with their current roster. Uh, we we hit that last week, but. Uh, worth, worth following if you're a Tennessee sports fan, the Predators looking like the Predators of a couple of years ago when they got into the playoffs as the eighth seed and had some hot goaltending and rode that all the way to the Stanley Cup final. Not saying that's the, the true expectation right now, but they're at least playing at a clip that's respectable yeah. uh, and, and not playing like a team that has lost all hope as they play out the backstretch of the season. Uh, speaking of a, a little hope, the Memphis Tigers basketball team, uh, and the program led by Penny Hardaway. Year three for him, and they finish by winning the NIT. Now, let's put the, the qualifiers out there. Not a 32-team field this year, just 16 because of COVID. Uh, they play this not in New York, but they played in Frisco, Texas. North Texas is yep. where they played this tournament. Uh, but nonetheless, they finish on a run where they won 11 of their final 13 games the only two losses in those 13 matchups were two games against Houston. They lost in the regular season to Houston on a very close matchup, and then lost in the conference championship of the American Athletic Conference in a championship matchup against Houston
0: on a banked-in three-point shot. Yes, that's a buzzer. Other than that, they would have been in the tournament.
1: Penny Hardaway's team was playing at a very high level, given what we expect of the Memphis program. The last time they won the NIT, John Calipari went on to make six of the next seven NCAA tournaments. They made the NIT in 2002, and Coach Cal took them on quite the run before he bolted. What can Penny Hardaway do? Because his comments yesterday after beating Mississippi State were, we hope to win future championships, and he was he was saying the NCAA tournament, he's not saying the NIT, uh, which is what you would hope that he would say in a moment like that. You
0: mean he wasn't referencing the CBI? That he hopes not. to win one day? No. No one thought when Penny Hardaway was hired that they would be celebrating an NIT championship in year three. It's been a disappointment. There's there's no way around it uh, with Penny Hardaway, but they close very strong, so they do have momentum. I don't know how much momentum transfers from one season to the next.
1: Well, the the momentum transfers with the players.
0: They're going to keep recruiting well too, so you know they don't have any seniors.
1: Zero seniors on the team.
0: Yep, and you know they're going to have talent on that roster, so. You should expect big things from Memphis a year from now.
2: Would they not have gone to NCAAs last year? So that kind of Oh, well, his, yeah. I mean, interrupted I don't his, think so. Well,
0: no? I need to go back and look, but I think they were on the outside looking in. Maybe, maybe they would have been an at-large. Let me see what they were last year when the season ended.
2: I was thinking that they, they were getting in last year. Um, so that screws up his whole, you know, three-year Hardaway, resume.
1: He says this is just the start. Uh, but that's the expectation that he set forth, right? Like, the expectation is Memphis will get back to the Memphis Tigers well, look, of when old. You,
2: when you, that's the expectation when you hire right. him. That's why you're hiring right. him. He is the Memphis Tigers of old. Yep. Well, I
0: mean, in the moment they hired him, immediately he was getting great players. So the thought was, well, he's going to go in there and just get one and dones, you know, and then they're, they're going to be gone, you know, quickly. Um, uh, James Wiseman, mm-hmm. who, who was ineligible for his one year that he was at Memphis, for most of the season, but you get players like that, the expectations are obviously going to be very
2: high. This lends itself to a, a little bit of a conversation. I mean, if you're a Memphis kid, do you, do you know who Penny Hardaway is for sure? Yes. Be, just because of the Memphis legend? Yeah. But if you're not, not a Memphis No, beyond, kid,
1: beyond that. Uh, AAU legend. The, the high schoolers right now uh, grew up with Penny Hardaway donating Nikes to their middle school basketball program. In Memphis. In Memphis, okay. inner city Memphis, they they know Penny Hardaway, and he is a superstar. So now.
2: number one thing is keep keep the locals home. Outside of that, though, a lot of these guys, it, it's a whole different generation than yours and mine and ours, in terms of the name having cachet. Like
1: nationally, the cachet is on the AAU circuit. Right. Team Penny is nationally known. For the team that he coached and, and so Nike that, funded, that, I mean that's huge.
2: That still has yes, resonate.
1: absolutely. Yeah, they,
0: like, he does well outside of Memphis also with, with some guys. But do these
2: guys reason. like Jawan Howard um, or help me out with with Patrick Ewing? Do they have the sway that they would have had? Comparable guys would have had when we were college age, where you go, oh my God, you could go play for for. Somebody like Patrick yeah, Ewing, is the I don't is think that the same Patrick thing?
0: Ewing or Juwan Howard have the same sway because they don't have the the youth basketball connection that Penny does. I think so much of Penny's attraction from players is because of Team Penny and everything he did in, in AAU ball. By the way, a year ago, Memphis 21-10, and 10-8 and in the AAC, fifth in the conference. That's not NCAA tournament worthy. Okay. I don't think the fifth-place team in the AAC was – Getting in the NCAA tournament a year ago, maybe a borderline.
2: What they do in the tournament? Their tournament? bubble team. We don't know. They didn't
0: play. I think they all shut down as they were playing. Also,
2: so they might have had a shot out of their tournament, but that would have been it. Yeah, I just wonder, you know, if in my day somebody comparable to Patrick Ewing was coaching in college, that would have been a huge magnet for a kid from my hometown high school, right? To go there. Sure. Nowadays. There are plenty of kids who don't know who that is. I mean, they know he's big, so they say, oh, he must have played. But, you know, unless he grew up going to Knicks games with his dad, looking at the thing in the rafters and seeing the highlights, kids today don't, don't revere those old guys nearly the same way that we did.
1: I, I do think there is, a, there, there is a common thread with Penny Hardaway and the, the youth basketball circuit. That he can use in a massive way, so but, he's got but, a different pipeline. Chad's,
2: it's not the tr- it's not the same one that from when we. were. But talking. it
1: was such a, a strong connection, Paul, that an NIT championship in year three is not considered something to brag about.
2: Well, I don't think an NIT championship for a uh, major school is any ever anything to brag about. Really, a, a school with expectations—it's well, something to brag about. It depends for a school where you're that's coming surprised. from. Like yeah, where where Memphis
1: was whenever he took the job. Um, you know, it, the, the day he took the job that FedEx Forum was sold out for home games. I mean, yeah. it, there, there was a buzz around it, and then COVID hit. And, you know, it, there's only so much success you can have in a year off where you don't play and you don't participate in a conference tournament. Um, but this is – we bring this up today simply to say keep an eye, make a little a notation of what happens moving forward with the program. Can Hardaway turn this into the same momentum that we saw Cal do? whenever he was there. You know, he took an NIT championship and turned it into recruiting momentum and took a team that came back and went to the NCAA tournament and then built on that gradually. Can this be the same stepping stone for him?
0: Well, more good news for Memphis basketball fans. Currently fifth nationally recruiting class for next year. Two top 100 players, Josh Minot, who is from Boca Raton, Florida, and Jordan Nesbitt from St. Louis. Both four stars. Both signed, and then they have two other, one four-star, one three-star player. They are only behind in the national rankings. Michigan has got the number one class in America, Juwan Howard. Florida State, Villanova, Kentucky are the only four teams ahead of Memphis in next year's recruiting class. And Memphis class.
2: losing nobody to being a senior, at least.
1: That's right. Yeah, No, no seniors on their they roster. They
0: are a tournament team next year. Yes. That, that, that is going to be a
1: tournament team. Should be. And they're competing against a team like Houston, you know, that they nearly beat. Yeah. Uh, so there is some momentum. The question is, how much can carry over? And again, just make a notation to keep an eye on Penny Hardaway in Memphis. Are they playing Tennessee moving forward? Do they we know?
0: Are. I think next year that series starts oh, back. Okay. They're playing in Nashville. Okay. I think it's moving to Bridgestone Arena. I've always liked that idea. Yeah. Of one coming from east, one coming from west and meeting in Nashville yeah. and playing. Meet in middle. Because they have a whole... They do not like going to the other's backyard. Memphis, John Calipari was big on, I'm not going to let Bruce Pearl come in and, and play a game in Memphis and help him in recruiting right. when they play here, knowing that Tennessee wanted to get into Memphis and get players.
2: He would have happily gone to Knoxville, I suspect.
0: No problem with that. No issues with that.
1: <laughs> but, see, Tennessee wanted to go to Memphis for the recruiting battle. Sure. I, I get that part. Um Chad, what is the latest from Knoxville for football in spring practice?
0: Let's talk about it when we come back. Oh, I've, yeah. I've, got, I've got a number of thoughts. Okay. We need to get into A number of thoughts.
1: The Vols in spring practice. We give our thoughts on that and more coming up. Outkick 360 rolls on. Outkick 360 rolls on here on the Outkick Network. Big thanks to our great crew for making the show happen today. Uh, we will give you our regional finals picks from fanduelcom slash OK360 coming up in just a moment. First, Chad, your big takeaways from the weekend of spring practice on the hill in Knoxville. It's all about speed. Hutton, it's all about speed, and I'm not talking about actual running ability.
0: I'm talking about the drug. Speed. Yes. <laughs> Tennessee's got a secret weapon this year, and it's not their linebacking core. It's amphetamines. <laughs> no, I'm I'm kidding, of course. Um, of course. speed of picking up the offense, speed of processing information, speed of knowing what to do, speed of snapping the ball with over thirty seconds of the play clock every time. That's who's gonna win the quarterback job at Tennessee. I've been saying all along, I think Hendon Hooker, the transfer from Virginia Tech, yeah. is going to be you call that. my odds-on favorite to be the starter. I'm hearing more about him than anyone else. Brian Maurer also tweeting out, this is the first time he's been fully healthy in his time in Knoxville. And there are some people saying, don't discount Maurer in this offense. Uh, and I noticed uh, the, um, the, 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 uh, the offensive coordinator at Tennessee, Alex Golish, was saying that in comparing the quarterbacks, What he brought up with Maurer was great, great athlete, great, great arm. He said great a bunch, but didn't say a lot about the processing of information quickly, but just that the physical skills with Maurer was there. And the other big takeaway, uh, they really liked the offensive line. Said, you know, they're going to put the pads on soon and find out a lot more, but just looking at them physically and the power they play with, they love a player like Cade Mays uh, and some other guys in that roster. So, Look, they're going to be at a big-time deficiency when it comes to certain positions like linebacker, with now Toho Toho and Crouch both gone. But there's going to be some spots where Tennessee's going to be okay. I don't think they're going to be SEC good at many positions, but I think there's a lot to like a receiver. There's a lot to like in the secondary. I think eventually, even with losing Chandler and Gray, Tyon Evans is top running back prospect in, in JUCO. They like Jabari Small out of Memphis, who got some carries a year ago. What do they do with a guy like D. Beckwith, who's 6'5", 230, who played running back a year ago? Yeah. They're keeping him there
1: right now. That's who's a, a very unique athlete. So, Well, can, can the offensive line, you mentioned it. Yep. Can they play up to a, a certain level that they didn't meet week in and week out last year? If they do, they can mask some of the deficiencies that they have offense across the board, and they can allow their new running back core and group to grow and progress as the season moves on. If they can't, it's going to be a long season.
0: We're going to know a lot about Tennessee's offensive coaching this year.
1: How much of that
0: offensive line deficiency was players not meeting expectations? How much of that was being poorly coached? And we're going to know a lot about that with how Tennessee plays offense this year. I have no expectations about Tennessee's defense being good at all. Especially well, because mentioned. they're going to be playing so fast, it's going to put them at even more of a disadvantage.
2: And Salter here falls behind because yeah. he's on the shelf. So he's a non-factor, and once he resurfaces, presuming he resurfaces, he's, he's playing catch-up right out of the gate.
0: I, Yes. I really liked, we talked about this a little bit last week, but I, I really liked what Heipel said about the guys that are suspended. Because I think you can look at, you can table a coach's comment about there's high standards here and we're going to let the, you know, he said all those things, but he also said, we're going to do all this while being true to our guys and our players. In other words, we're not kicking them off the team. I read into that as it's a, it's a misdemeanor drug charge right now. It's in the university's hands, never went to Knoxville PD. It's all a campus police issue. So it's a campus problem. So the campus is going to decide whether or not they're expelled. I don't think that's going to be happening. No with the university overseeing it. So I expect these guys to be back this spring. I don't think they're gonna miss games. I think they're gonna serve uh, some sort of internal punishment. And quite frankly, that's the way it should be. But I did like the way uh, Hypo, I thought he couched it in a smart way by saying, we're disappointed. We're gonna ask guys to live up to a standard, but guys make mistakes. We're also gonna be true to them as players in our program and not just throw them out because they made a mistake. I thought that was smart.
1: Going as well to the O-line comment, just to wrap things up as we move forward and watch them throughout the spring, the pace of play, you mentioned the speed aspect. How much does that affect the offensive line and the play? Because these are big men. Right. These are huge guys that
0: Tennessee has on the offensive line. I mean, Jeremy Pruitt came in and said, there's not enough big men on this roster when he first saw Tennessee. So what'd they do? We saw all those stats about what, it was like 18 pounds per man heavier Tennessee was in the offensive line. But now look at who they're recruiting. He couldn't tell between the tight end
1: and the left tackle. Yeah, and
0: and they're recruiting guys who are 305 pounds, right? Right. 6'6", 305, not 335, 340 pounds. So how can they sustain with this fast-paced offense? Huge question mark.
1: FanDuel.com slash OK360, the website where you can sign up and get some great odds and some great uh, options for first-time users and for current FanDuel users. FanDuel.com slash OK360. Our picks for tonight in the regional finals. We are, and Paul, correct me if I'm wrong, I think Chad and I agree. We're taking Oregon State plus seven and a half like against it. Houston. Um, I think we, Chad may take Oregon State in the money line. I like Houston to win, but Oregon State, again, um,
2: I, think they could I, I don't win want to be outright, fooled again I, by I that. would go with the points.
1: Uh, Baylor minus eight against Arkansas. We mentioned earlier in the show, Arkansas's pace of play is similar to that of Baylor's. I think that plays into Baylor's hands a bit because they face Villanova. They, place, they they face Wisconsin, which is all about limiting possession, slowing the pace of play down. Arkansas wants to push the issue. Baylor does too. This is going to be a, a game of runs. Ultimately, the better team is Baylor, so much so that we're giving the points in tonight's matchup. I've changed my mind over the course oh. of the show.
0: I'm going Arkansas. Why? SEC. SEC. Yes, I'm, I'm going Arkansas. Week. No, not because of the SEC. I don't know why I keep going back and forth, but yes, I think Arkansas keeps it close tonight. I do against Baylor. Not winning. That's my no. personal pick. Look, we're all losers up here <laughs> when it comes to this. So believe who you want. You can believe Hutton, you can believe me. Uh, they call it hey. wagering for a reason. Yeah. It's, it's a gamble. It's, it's tough. If it was easy, everyone would do it, and everyone would win all the time. I'm telling you that Arkansas covers the eight. Hutton is saying that Baylor I'm wins by more than eight.
2: I'm with Hutton. Now, if you really want to be solid, follow Chad and I on the pret That's where the money
0: is. Oh, yeah. We're big on that. <laughs> a month ago, it was we're taking whoever the Preds are playing. And now, now we're just taking the Preds every day. Telling
1: easy. you guys, tonight, uh, you know, Clay has his – Blood Bank Guarantee, I'm giving you the American Red Cross Guarantee tonight with Oregon State plus 7.5 and, and Baylor minus the 8. I've How, got to win back. Looking? I've got to win back. chasing? So, what well, we failed over the <laughs> previous two weekends.
0: Clay's Blood Bank Guarantee failed twice this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. And he always puts, my Blood Bank Guarantee was Loyola minus 7. What's yours? I almost retweeted and said, well, mine's the opposite. It's Oregon State. <laughs> Covering that, I wanted to put that at halftime when Oregon State was in the lead also. <laughs> but that would have been my blood bank guarantee was that Oregon State would cover against the Loyal. Hutton's going to
2: come back tomorrow and he's going to say, I was 50-50 on my parlay, which makes me oh <laughs> uh, for the parlay. Well, Very was, small
0: victories. I was 2 for 3, which makes me oh for 1 <laughs> on <the parlay.
2: laughs> Yeah, you guys are great with that parlay, math. It doesn't translate to the misses.
1: Huge thanks to Lance Lee, uh, Jakob Swanson, David Reed, the chairman of the board, well, Emma Oestein. Right for making the show happen today. Uh, catch us on the podcast. Uh, you can subscribe on iTunes through Apple Podcast. We would certainly appreciate the rating and the review there as well. You can find the podcast wherever you download your podcast. Also, if you have an Amazon device, moving forward, if you want to find the show in a simple fashion, you can ask Alexa to search OutKick on YouTube. It will automatically pop up and play our show. It will play OutKick, the show with Clay Travis and other programming there. And, again, uh, please retweet on Twitter. Give us a like on Facebook and share that post. And subscribe at YouTube.com slash OutKick. Guys, fun show today. Phil's going to be
0: Terrific. back. yeah. Phil's going to be back. It is. Day 11 on the program.
1: We are back at it tomorrow. Full reaction to tonight's games. We'll preview Michigan, UCLA, Gonzaga, USC as well. And we'll give our thoughts on the 17 games we're going to see in the regular season for the NFL as the owners begin their annual meetings starting tomorrow. Guys, catch you tomorrow. Enjoy the games tonight. Outkick 360. Stay tuned for Outkick the Show with Clay Travis.
2: There's traffic movement in the Suez Canal. Don't block the box. Do lock the lock.